So, Jerlon, just like a cracking Disney story, every, <laughs> every fairy tale starts off really well, doesn't it, and picturesque. And then there seems to be a dip like mm. maybe two thirds of the way through where it all goes horribly wrong, but it's okay because a hero emerges to come and save the day. And then we all live happily ever after. Do you think that might be what's happening to the Toronto Maple Leafs? Um, I, I would love to think that that is the case. And I truly, truly hope Claire you're right. And lovely to have you back after two weeks away. It's, <laughs> there's been plenty of ups and downs and that's two, in those two weeks. Um, I really hope you're right. I am struggling at the moment. We're going to come on a little bit later in the pod about talking about hockey fatigue or watching hockey fatigue because it is such a long season. And I wonder if the players get it. There's certainly been some talk about it around this kind of time of the season, those February games that don't really seem to matter too much, or they certainly seem that way. And I certainly think there is a case of that from the fans as well. Maybe even more so if you're an NHL fan from afar because you are dealing with fitting in, watching this game around some rather antisocial hours. And can you tell in my voice that I'm at the end of a very long Leafs West Coast road trip? That has been a lot of late nights, a lot of early mornings and some real, real disappointing games. Oh, get over yourself. Come on. It's not all the... I'm going to be the positive one on this podcast. You just had two weeks off, Claire. That is why you're coming back fresh. You are, you are good to go. You're ready. You're Andreas Jonsson after two games out. You're ready to go. Your <laughs> knees are working well. And you're ready to actually play some hockey on the podcast. I am. And actually, coming up on this podcast, we are looking at who the heck are St. Louis Blues right now. They're making franchise history... And Ryan O'Reilly, blimey O'Reilly, is helping fast-track their place back into this year's playoffs. They are indeed. And also, we're going to talk a bit about Don Cherry. Is he right to say the Carolina Hurricanes are, well, are they really changing hockey culture? Or are they just having fun? That's the question we'll ask a little bit later on as well. And also, what's getting our goat this week? No, it's not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Apparently, the number one subject which seemed to hit it off on our Slack group was those <laughs> pesky NHL figures adverts. I downloaded the app. I went to go and see what it was like. And we're going to tell you all about that on this episode of NHL Fans from Afar. Oh, that's interesting. So you're the one person who went and did that. <laughs> yeah, and I won't be again. I was I really liked to listen to the podcast as a listener actually. Um, It was really funny because you know we we all kind of uh, are um, I don't want to use the a naughty word here but we like to sleep around when it comes to listening to NHL (laughs) podcasts right? (laughs) Yeah 
yeah, we are not faithful to our own brand. No, it's about a community, right? So you yes. dip in and you listen to yes. lots of different things. I don't like where you're going with this now. Carry on. <laughs> but I, I loved it. I mean, who would have thought that someone would have become a fan living in Norwich because they got stuck <laughs> out in America because of a volcano in Iceland? I mean, that is the greatest story ever. I'm a little bit disappointed that we didn't come up with at the beginning of this podcast, the NHL Fans From Afar Awards, because you know how much hockey airtime is spent about well this player should get the selkie this player would get my award nomination for the norris like so much of commentary is dedicated to preemptively awarding awards in the nhl i'm kind of disappointed that we didn't do an nhl fans from afar award one of the categories would have certainly been the best most abstract story or most unlikely way of finding yourself to be an NHL fan. And for me, Georgie wins that hands down so far. I think so too. I loved it. But I also enjoyed uh, last week, Andy, when he highlighted his man crush, <laughs> then he picked someone be- because they had a Harry Potter character on their helmet. I mean, this is the detail, folks. This is, you know, as you say, we're going to talk about follower fatigue. But when you have to distract yourself with that level of detail, that makes me so fun. I, I'm an, I'm an, I was annoyed with myself last week that I couldn't come back with how much that I loved uh, Freddie Anderson's helmet because he has Lego Batman on his helmet. And obviously, it's a, a kind of a nod to the, his Danish culture. And I just, I just love, I know you've gone on, you've waxed lyrical about Goldie helmets and all of that kind of stuff and the artwork that goes into them. But ever mm. since you kind of mentioned it, and I noticed Freddie's one with his Lego, I started looking at them. And there are some crazy ones out there. And yeah, I, I, just like you, it was great to bring that up last week. I'm, I haven't been to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto, but do they have a section where there's Goldie helmets? They actually don't, no. Um, they've got, uh, which by the way, you definitely should. I know, I know. You would absolutely love it. it. For me, it gets a little bit too much at times just because it's so stats, stats, stats. And, you know, I, the, my favourite bit about it is the interactive game where you get to, like, pretend to take a slap shot, like, uh, which, you know, pitches my level really against yours. But <laughs> I, I just think there isn't really anything about hockey helmets there are obviously it features players and it features goaltenders and it will have some masks in there but no from memory and it's a very big place I don't remember there being a kind of homage to the helmet mm, okay well maybe maybe people know about that they should tell us because it does feel like you know a lot of the goalies get a brand new helmet every year and it happens in this country as well in the UK um, mm. uh, a lot of the goalies here um, will get theirs custom sprayed as well. And but it's very a... interesting that they don't really... Hockey players aren't really given much chance to show off personality. Yeah, really. individuality. Certainly not, yeah, certainly not on the ice anyway with the uniform. And I mean, that's a kind of a North American sport thing. But if you look at the NBA, then every single you know, top athlete in the NBA is, is showing off their new trainers that they've they've designed with a maker or things like that and the NFL is obviously full of those big personalities whereas in hockey you know it seems that you can't even celebrate well without being uh, shunned which we'll talk about a little bit later on. (laughs) But the key topic that a lot of you have been talking to us about um, is when you're watching from afar and you're watching on NHL Game Centre you've (laughs) you know you've you've gone to sleep and then you get up in the morning and you want to watch back the game 
And it's fine that there are commercial adverts in progress. That little bit of silence is when I sometimes at night close my eyes and just get a little 30 second sleep. But then to be interrupted with watch out hockey guys. I just, (laughs) I, I noticed it a couple of weeks ago and I was like, why is no one talking about this? And I posted it in our um, closed Slack group, which if you want to join, by the way, then email us at nhlfansfromafar at gmail.com. And I just thought, oh, no one else is going to be bothered. It's just going to be something that I'm just really ranting oh, about. Oh, no. Oh, no. Everybody, everybody was like, man, that, those adverts are driving me nuts. Because not only do you hit, see it once, for people who are living in North America listening to this podcast, you're probably like, oh, what do you want about? We always have adverts. But you were yeah. seeing the same advert probably about 20 times a game. Just one advert, no other adverts. And to be honest, this is at the point where I'd rather be closing my eyes and having a little snooze. I do not want to hear it. But I gave in last week, Jolan, and I thought, I can't be ripping into something if i don't know what it's like you know i've got to i've got to give it the benefit of the doubt maybe it is a great product that i need to be a part of so i downloaded it on the app store right ah so you were you were that one person who did yeah great. i know i know but i thought come on give it a go I, I like the idea of it right so you can play you, you set your own little team up and then you can like play games against them um, but it is so clunky. It is so slow. And um, it's just so poo-poo. And the thing is, it also has the worst royalty music ever. <laughs> and I just couldn't understand how it worked. But like, they give you free players, okay? So they gave me uh, Pecorine as my free no. goalie. And no, then I describe him as the calendar heartthrob. That is Taylor Sagan. Uh, because yeah. a few years ago, he did a naked... Uh, calendar shoot right. ladies will know what I mean oh yeah I remember you mentioning that yeah, yeah um, but yeah and then I was looking at the league table and uh, I know you had our, our now newly promoted backup goalie Stephen Edwards on the last couple of weeks the, the number one user in the league was a, a Colorado Avalanches fan but the name of the uh, team was something to do with the Leafs so uh, I was like, maybe Stephen's a closet Leafs fan. <laughs> I wonder if he is as well. I, I do wonder whether he's, he's just keeping it very, very quiet. Actually, I've still got the app on my phone and I wonder really? whether... Yeah, um, I wonder whether... I've got my speakers on here. I wonder if it'll let me like just play the music. Oh, here we go. You hear it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's getting it sounds, pumped up. Yeah. Well, it sounds like... It. Like strip club music. <laughs> How do you even know? Because I've watched films, obviously. <laughs> like, you know, I've watched films with strip clubs in. Say that one, didn't I? Oh, here we go. It's, it's getting in. It's getting going. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's, no, that's, weird. that's weird. Um, it's different to the typical NHL rock kind of music. So yeah, which to be fair, I don't like either. That's one of my least favourite things about the NHL. I know this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. But I, I dislike the fact that heavy rock music is used in every single highlights montage uh, that the NHL put together. Put some like I don't that's know, an American thing, though. Put some like, top forty in there. Let's hear a little bit of uh, top yeah. Let's 40. hear a bit, bit of Drake. We'll have a little bit of just something different. Yeah. There you go. That's going to get me uh, absolutely hammered on that Slack group. 
Mm -hmm. Shout out to um, people who've um, dropped us a review as well. Thank you for subscribing. Um, and don't forget that when you subscribe, you actually get this podcast the moment that we put it out rather than yep. Thursday morning, you get it early. Um, shout out to Dave, the Oilers fan, who's posted a, a comment for us saying, living in the UK and being a fan of the NHL is tough. So it's great to have discovered this podcast with well-informed hosts who discover the British side <laughs> of being an NHL fan. Well informed. Wow. Wow. Five is in the post. Um, each week they have guests on who are fans and ask how they got into hockey, how they follow from the UK, which is a really nice touch. And he's asking whether we could have a section on the podcast um, of an NHL explains. It could be terminology, culture, things that fan may have seen, uh, players, refs, or fans doing um, a must for any hockey fan. I love that. Thanks. Cheers, Dave. Oh, that's um, very kind of you. And an NHL explains is a really good idea, except for the only thing I, the only problem I'd have with that is there are still things that I'm learning about this league now. Like the other mm. day, there was a game, and I can't remember which one it was. It was one of the, the worst games that I've seen recently. But anyway, uh, Freddie Anderson um, had the puck kind of, uh, it was kind of dumped down the ice and he covered it up kind of, but kind of mishandled it a little bit. And now the ref behind the goal was shouting at him to move it, right? So the ref is shouting at the goaltender to move the puck, move the puck, move the puck. Yet, I always assumed that it's the goalie's choice as to whether they cover up or whether they try and play the puck. But the ref was shouting at Freddie to move it. Freddie then did try and move it, even though he wasn't quite sure where the puck was. And that resulted in a goal like pretty much straight away, and that team scored. I can't remember if it was Arizona or Vegas. Um, but they, they scored a goal. And I was like, is that a rule? And then I thought, well, maybe this is just me. Maybe I didn't know. And I was watching um, Steve Dangle's Leafs fans' reaction after that game. And, you know, Steve has been doing almost like 10 years' worth of Leafs fans' reactions. Like, he's been watching every single game since he was, like, four. And he's a, like, true Canadian. And if he doesn't know about it, he didn't even know about this rule either. Like... <laughs> It's nuts. This, this game isn't finished. Like, why, why, are we, why have we got to a point where we're playing this game and so much is running on this game when it's not finished? People don't know the rules. So, yeah, maybe we do at least, uh, or sorry, we do a, an NHL explainer, but there are still so many things about this game that even now that fans of years and years and years, decades in terms of some of them, still don't know. Baffles me. There are little obscurities as well that, I noticed between the leagues as well. So when I was following the sport in the UK, like say if a player, um, if the helmet gets knocked off in the UK, they got to get off the ice immediately. Otherwise the team take a penalty. Whereas oh, okay. in NHL, it's okay. You just keep going until you do your line change. You don't yeah. take a penalty. So yeah, there are mm. all kinds of obscure things. I've got to say actually, Dave, that one podcast that's worth checking out actually, it's a UK podcast. Um, is Hockey Hypothetical, which is a couple of guys who we've had on as fans, um, a Winnipeg Jets fan and an Anaheim Ducks fan, um, both who support Sheffield Steelers for their sins um, in the UK. And they discuss obscure situations that could or could not happen um, with regards to rules. It's quite geeky and uh, it, it's quite a lot of fun. I mean, Jonathan's a maths teacher, so... If you think I'm geeky, then <laughs> there's another level out there. But that might be one that's uh, worth a shout. And actually, Jolon, speaking yes. of um, other podcasts, yeah. um, as you know, we're always like kind of 
di- you know, digesting information from lots of different places. I had never heard of Paul Bitternet's Spitting Chicklets podcast until <laughs> um, Saturday in one of the intermission breaks. Um, yeah one of the reporters on Hockey Night in Canada did an interview with Paul Bissonnet and mentioned that they'd had Austin Matthews on this podcast. And I thought, okay, let's give this a go. So I downloaded it, went for a walk in my local park. I mean, within like the first five minutes, I kind of was feeling, this isn't so female friendly. Um, (laughs) I feel like I should have a penis to listen to this. (laughs) Um, and the swearing was like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, we choose not to swear, but like, I'm cool with it. Outside of microphone, I have a foul mouth. But this is like another level. Um, and I guess... Yeah, we've never, we've never made a conscious thing, have we, about not swearing on this podcast. But I think both you and me, because we work for the BBC and do stuff on air, we're just so used to that in front of a microphone, you don't swear. Like, I, it's, it's, it's something in my brain that is now ingrained that I don't do it. So, yeah. I don't know, though. I think sometimes when I'm talking about the Leafs, I yeah, really... Do you know what? Yeah, give me, give me till this playoff <laughs> series against Boston coming up. I'll be swearing like a... Oh, yeah. See, I can't even do it. See, I tried then. Couldn't do one, it. <laughs> one day, there'll be an intro, which will just be... Freaking <laughs> <laughs> <all of these. laughs> <laughs> out! Exactly. So, uh, anyways, listen to this podcast and they kind of yeah do various chats about what's going on in the league. They do a couple of podcasts every week and then they get into the Austin Matthews. So this was recorded ages ago, like October, November time. Oh, really? It was, um, it was Austin Matthews, like you've never heard him before. I mean, for a start, um, him and Biz had actually been texting about three or four months before and then Biz left um, Austin Matthews to hang dry Uh, and didn't respond to his messages. (laughs) When Matthews is like, yeah, I've checked with the press guys. I can do the podcast. Let me know when you want me on. And then Biz didn't respond. Brilliant. But what Matthews did was he was really comfortable and relaxed. He wasn't swearing. He was not speaking so derogatory about women. He was very slick and professional. Um, But he did out uh, Biz for avoiding paying a bill when they all went out for dinner. Um, (laughs) He talked about the silly fake news that's reported about him in the Toronto media, about how angry he was apparently when uh, John Tavares signed. Um, He talked about the phone conversation that him and John Tavares had um, a couple of weeks before the signing. John Tavares called him up and said, right, you know, tell me what's this? What's it like behind the scenes? What's the coaching like? What's the vibe like? Which sounds crazy, doesn't it? Um, And about how much Matt Martin meant to him and Mitch Marner. And it was, it was brilliant. Even his music taste, like he'd recently been listening to Rolling Stones and the Beatles, but obviously (laughs) we know that he is a big Drake fan and Drake is a big Austin Matthews fan. Uh, yet they hadn't seemed to hang out or Drake hadn't wore an Austin Matthews jersey on stage yet. So it was it was crazy. But the, the most interesting part, which I come back to our opening sentence of this podcast about Disney, is that Mitch Marner, when they are going on tour and they're on the Toronto plane, enjoys watching kids' movies. <laughs> like, no, I don't know. I don't know why that surprises me. 
<laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, uh, it, it, by all means, go listen to Spit Chicklets. It's uh, pretty eyebrow raising, and uh, you don't want the kids to be around when you're playing no. it. But um, but they they have a good perspective of what's happening across the league. Like on that particular episode, they were um, taking apart the Tom Wilson um, hit on Sunquist, was it? Back then, mm, at the start of the season, so and yeah. they'd already had Tom Wilson on the podcast, so they were coming at it from a really different angle that I didn't hear from other podcasts. So, uh, yeah, really, really, really interesting. Right, but, back to our podcast. Enough about other people's podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the St. Louis Blues to start with. Now, this is very it's raw. raw for me. This is mm. very raw because I'm. Well, we are recording this podcast just an hour after I finished watching the Toronto St. Blue, uh, Louis Blues game. Um, but it is, uh, it's a remarkable story, St. Louis Blues, making franchise history and fast-tracking their place back to the playoffs almost certainly. They've become a team who are pretty much, you know, bets on to get into the playoffs with their run of form. It's worth pointing out that at the beginning of January, they were rock bottom of the NHL. Rock bottom. There were trade rumours flying around, left, right and centre. Practically their whole entire team was going to be traded. And bear in mind, this was a team that did a lot of moving in the summer as well. And some hockey experts had even tipped them to win the Stanley Cup this year. It had all gone wrong. And then somebody under the name of Binnington comes along and lights up the league for the St. Louis Blues in net. And they have gone on an incredible run since to the point now where they're talking about trying to get home ice advantage in the playoffs instead of what, who are we going to keep from this tyre fire of a team? And they dispatched the Toronto Maple Leafs last night with a, I'm going to call it an unfortunate, you know, <laughs> overtime win because it shouldn't have gone to overtime. I know it makes no difference to St. Louis in the end and different conferences, blah, blah, blah. So actually they don't care about the point going to Toronto. But they did not deserve to have to play that extra 30 seconds of overtime or whatever it took them to dispatch a, a pathetic Toronto Maple Leafs performance last night. And it's just a remarkable story, isn't it? And also, Claire, holding their nerve as a St. Louis Blue GM, how... How happy do you think he is now that he didn't trade some of his stars? Ironically, a lot of them were linked to Toronto. Mm. I, I think the interesting part, listening to um, Craig Berube, um, who's interim head coach, and there's a, yeah. inter- there's a good post, isn't there, by Elliot Friedman of at what point do they take the interim tag off him? He, <laughs> Craig yeah. Berube was on Hockey Central at noon. Sorry to plug another podcast. Um, uh, <laughs> yesterday, um, we're recording this on Wednesday. No, it was on Monday. It was on Monday. And um, he talked, when asked about what the success of this was, he just very simply said that everyone is pulling together. It's not just a star that's clicked into place. It's everyone from behind the scenes to actually on ice. I thought that was interesting, but also a little bit about who he was and what he brings to the team um, and that he made his name, um, particularly in the AHL, as a tough guy, 
um, and NHL actually as a, as a kind of more physical um, player. And so that kind of respect that he has, although he's only acting head coach, he still gets that respect from the players. But yeah. the, the Jordan Biddington one is interesting because initially I was like, who is he? And they're nicknaming him uh, Winnington now, aren't they? Which um, made yeah. me cringe. But yeah. I didn't really know very much about him. And I guess he's been Jake Allen's backup at St. Louis Blues for a number of years. And he's been teetering around the AHL. But I guess for him, what is he, 25, 26? He's probably on the approach now of stepping up to be someone's number one goalie soon. I think his contract is up at the end of this year. Yeah, I think he's one to watch because his contract is 650K. Which, it won't be next year. No. Um, but I was always like, who's this guy? And then obviously, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, um, Tarasenko as well, had a bit of a up and down start to the year, didn't he? And now it's all just clicking into place. Um, but Ryan O'Reilly, you know, you look at that guy's looking at career highs right now. I mean, even when he was playing for the Buffalo Sabres last year, he got 24 goals the whole season. He's already got 23 goals this year, 61 points. Um, you know, way better than some of the stuff that he's done at Colorado. So he's absolutely flying. And yes, it was um, uh, an unfortunate game to watch as a Leafs last night. But what, where Hyman had a great wraparound opportunity, it was turned over and O'Reilly just tore off, you know, to go and get that, that overtime goal 34 seconds in. And even then, if he had missed and there was a rebound opportunity, Tarasenko was waiting to catch that, you know, just in case. So yeah. the setup that they've got there, the speed that they've got and the energy in that building, I mean, the celebrations that were going on ice after that win to get that, you know, that record franchise history, um, it's just brilliant because this is a team that last year didn't even make the playoffs and they've had such an up and down time. I mean, you look at when they came into the NHL in 1967, the first three seasons, they lost in the final each year. I mean, hello, Vegas. Imagine <laughs> that, right? They've got yeah. no cups. So at what point does it come good for these guys? Are they potentially the new underdog? But what impressed me so much um, in their game against the Leafs was that they, although Binnington had a good game in net, he was also helped by his defence. His defence defended like their lives depended on it. Now, this wasn't just the defensive players. This was also the forwards coming back. The number of blocked shots from the St. Louis Blues against the Leafs was incredible. And the, these players were throwing themselves in front of the Leafs shooting. And it, they brought up a very interesting thing in commentary on NBC is that the Blues players, when the Leafs got the puck out on the point, the Blues players would often slide down to a point where they're lying in front of the puck. Why you would ever do that as a human being, I don't know. That's why I could never play hockey. But they did that. They were sliding down in front. And they were saying on the commentary that that meant that Bennington knew that when the shot came in, it had to be high because the player took out the low shot. So it immediately gave him the opportunity to lift himself up and take out those higher shots from the corner. And he was making those saves look really easy. The reason why he was making those saves look really easy is because he knew that the puck would not go down through his legs because the player was blocking it. And I just thought that you watched that game last night 
and there was just an incredible amount of bravery, effort, energy to do everything they could to only let the best of the best chances through on Binnington. And then that's where he then steps in because those one or two times at least did get through in good chances, then Binnington would stop him. And if you juxtaposition to the other end of the ice and look at the absolute car crash that was the Leafs defence and the amount of times Anderson was seemingly the only person back in his own end defending and saving the puck as well, you can start to see how they have put this incredible run together of, particularly at home, there was a, a stat they were throwing around as well, that when the Leafs scored, it was a, a, something like 200 and something minutes since the, the Blues had let in a goal or something like that at home, which was an incredible stat. I'm sorry if I've got it wrong, but it's something like that. Um, but it, it just shows that how much, you know, that is just putting the work in. And you hear Mike Babcock talk about that a lot as the Leafs coach. You've got to turn up on time. You've got to put the work in. You've got to be proud that when you finish the game, you can walk off the ice with your head held high. Well, that's exactly what St. Louis did. That's exactly what Arizona did the night before as well. They worked hard. And in the regular season, and I wonder if this is where it changes slightly in the playoffs, but in the regular season, that wins you a lot of games. And that's what St. Louis Blues are doing right now. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because they're, mm. they're sitting third in Central with six points um, on Dallas Stars. So you would think that have they bagged their playoff spot? No, I, I think playing like they did last night, I can't see how they won't get to the playoffs. They've got a really good team. I mean, I think you know, Greg Wyshynski on, uh, on Twitter just said, um, is it fair to say that Mike Yo, the former coach who they sacked, was the problem? Question mark. Like, you know, maybe, maybe it was. Maybe it was simple as that. I know Jake Allen in goal, who now is their kind of backup to Billington, seemingly. Um, he struggled, although he has now turned it around a little bit. And they're just a great story. And I think they could give teams a run for their money. However, however, when they come up against the likes of Nashville, Winnipeg, teams like that, who've been more consistent over the entire year in the playoffs, I don't know. I don't know whether, you know, this incredible run will potentially take it out of them. Because for them, they've got to, you know, almost every night, is a must-win game for them, although they've done that so much recently that's now becoming not so much the case. Uh, but incredible story for St. Louis. And I'm just pleased because I'm pleased to see Tyler Bozak doing well. One of my favourite Leafs who left us in the summer and went to St. Louis. And I was just pleased to see him in a good team. I didn't want to think that he went from one awful team, which the majority of Tyler's time at the Leafs, was a, it was a terrible team. I would hate to have thought that he went over to St. Louis when they were very much a, you know, a good nucleus of a team there, and then it just went downhill. I, he didn't deserve that, did Tyler. So I'm very glad to see that they're doing that. When it comes to the West... Mm. Sorry. Oh, are you I, on I a did, train? I did put my phone on silent. Are you on a little, uh, <laughs> a little steam train? Are you <laughs> recording this podcast? <laughs> Maybe. Oh, look, it's Tyler Bozak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tyler Bozak playing like, says, Rio oh. trains with his little kid. Thanks, Joan. I love you too. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, what I was going to say, when it comes to the West, which team are you really gunning for? Um, originally, what, I which think team I, am I gunning for? Yeah, because I kind of was thinking, oh, I'd, I'd quite like to see the Winnipeg Jets or Calgary Flames do quite well. But then I kind of look at these kind of guys and think, yeah, actually, 
the underdog. This this would be quite interesting. Um, I think the I think it's a different question for me because I can't quite separate it from who do I want to see the least play in the Stanley Cup final, which I know is a ridiculous thing, but I can't help but think that. I'm struggling to think that at the moment with the way it's going. But that's a different question, who I would like to see the Leafs play in the Stanley Cup final or who I would like to see just generally if I take the Leafs out of the equation. Um, I just, I know they've been struggling recently, but I do still really like Calgary. I really like how Calgary play. Um, I just think they're a really entertaining hockey team to watch. Um, Vegas, I just love the, the whole Vegas thing. Um, I loved it. I, I, well, I did like it last year. It was a bit annoying last year because it was a bit like, hang on, you guys shouldn't be this good. I'm really impressed with them this year as to how they've, how they've not kept the same level of success that they got last year because that would have been insane. But I really expected Vegas to just drop off a cliff this year and the whole you know honeymoon period to have disappeared. But what they've done is they've actually cemented their place as a good hockey team, not an, an amazing hockey team, but they are a good hockey team. Um, and I really enjoyed that Vegas Toronto game early in the week, regardless of the result. Um, I thought it was just a brilliant game of hockey. Yeah, and actually, one of the the subjects that came up in Slack was um, which teams do you most like to watch other than your own? And and I actually put Vegas not just for hockey um, reasons, but also for the off ice stuff that they do. Yeah. I mean, the performances that they do. And we we both um, saw each other in the week, didn't we? And said, "Wow, if there was ever going to be a." you know, a game or an arena that we'd go to where a Leafs um, game wasn't happening, then yeah. that would, it would be Vegas because they're just the way that that, that place is put together business wise, hockey wise. Yeah. Okay. It's all right. Um, but they'll, they'll get there and they're still competing. Um, but I don't know if you saw actually, uh, they announced in the last couple of days about this partnership. Um, Vegas Golden Knights have partnered with Vienna Capitals. Um, yeah. And uh, they're hoping that this team in Austria and, and, you know, the guys in Vegas will share the same vision. They'll have this mutual exchange of ideas, experiences and opportunities to benefit both teams. So they're just kind of always thinking big picture, aren't they? And how they build their brands, you know, in the future, are they going to be the Manchester United of, <laughs> uh, you know, American NHL teams? Yeah, it's, it's possible. And that title, I mean, arguably... Well, I don't know actually who would have that title now. I mean, in America, yeah, in America, because you're right to dis- to take it away from the Canadian teams because it's a different league. But yeah, I don't know. That, I would imagine you're kind of Pittsburgh are up there, but then Pittsburgh are up there because of their success. Mm. And it's Not new like, Washington, I, yeah. yeah. And you know, Pittsburgh, I'm sure, have got a very passionate fan base, and I think they do pull big TV audiences. But you know. I, they're, they're there because of their success. Um, whereas, yeah, Vegas could potentially do it through, you know, just building up that club. It's, it, it's the one team that I would really want. I'm actually going to Vegas next year or right at the end of this year um, on, a, on a different trip. But I'm really hoping that there's a hockey game there. And I actually don't really care if Toronto are there or not. Um, I, I think I almost prefer if they weren't because I think I'd enjoy the game more. But I just want to go there for the spectacle. Like I just want to go and go into that T-Mobile arena and watch the pre-game show, the halftime shows, the, the whole thing about it. And yeah, I, I mean, it's very easy for us as Leafs fans to enjoy Vegas because they're in the other conference and the chances of us ever playing them is so slim in a playoff scenario. 
but mm. I think I think it's great, and I think it's great, as you said, for American ice hockey in the NHL to have success stories like that. And at a time when LA are struggling, Anaheim are struggling, Chicago have been struggling. I think it's great that there's kind of been this almost like a bit of a beacon of hope um, in some of the American sports because it is, it's a bit of a Canadian dominated league now, unless you take out, you know, you've got Tampa, obviously. Um, and, but you look at Montreal are doing well again. Toronto are obviously doing well. Winnipeg are top of the West right now. Calgary are doing well again. And this comes only a few years after not a single Canadian team made the playoffs. So it's good for the NHL the Vegas story and yeah I, I love it and I think that would be the team I would want to go and see um, mm. the most outside of the league so the comments um that came through about this uh, Matt the Dallas fan said he picked Calgary actually he said they're exciting and skillful but you're not sure what you're getting and Andy who's a Canucks fan said to us Vegas um because how could you not root for a team of misfits that almost pulled off the <laughs> ultimate underdog win and apparently his son has chosen them as his team because he likes the logo which is great, yeah. isn't it? I, I was gonna we, we're hoping to get Andy on the podcast at some point soon because he's a kind of a newcomer to the NHL and, and um, has just kind of really embraced it and is great on the Slack group for us just throws out some really interesting topics um, and I, I want to bring up Andy I, he, he posted not long ago about all of the different teams that his son has decided to support like over here and over in the States in all the various different sports, because he's also a big NFL fan as well. And um, I just want to tell him or him to his son, do bear in mind that supporting a West Coast team will absolutely nail your sleep pattern even more. Like, just think about it. It's just a consideration. If you're out there right at the beginning of your time of picking a team, just think of the time zone because I not a day that goes by that I don't regret choosing the San Francisco 49 um, my um, NFL team. Jalen, it's true. You Too don't. Late. You don't. You don't pick your team. Your team picks you, and it's regardless yeah. of time zones. Let it go. Yeah, it's true. Mentioning um, teams that are kind of on a uh, roll at the moment, Philadelphia mm. Flyers have obviously had a, a, an amazing few weeks. It came to an end last night. <laughs> it did, didn't it? <laughs> um, Tampa Bay Lightning. Hey, we've been there. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, but one of my uh, mates who is a Philly Flyers fan, Keith, dropped me a text today and said, uh, well, he said a rude word, which I'm not sure <laughs> to say, but he said, what a run we had leading up to it. Some great things happening with the team. Temporary coach looking more dynamic than Hextel did all previous seasons. Carter Hart is going, is, he's going to be amazing. The potential is already there. Why haven't we got rid of Simmons, Gudas, Sandheim in the trade? JVR is not everything he was made out to be. Let's go Flyers. Yeah, JVR hasn't worked out brilliantly for the Flyers. I know he's had the odd injury here and there, but he, he signed a big contract. I mean, if, if ever you want to see the reason why the Leafs couldn't keep JVR is look at the number he's on in Philly. Um, I just think that Philadelphia should look at this season. Anything that is achieved from this season is a bonus. I mean, these guys were awful. They were struggling. They were one of the worst teams or one of the worst performances that I've seen against the Leafs this year was from Philadelphia. And they couldn't get a goaltender. They rolled the dice with Carter Hart, not because, you know, whether he was good enough, because he is good enough. It was, there was a, a risk of bringing him up too soon. That's worked and he's done really well. So you've kind of, as Philadelphia, got to look at this season and think anything we get from this is a bonus now on to next year. In terms of Wayne Simmons being traded, 
everyone's just waiting to see what happens with Ottawa. And then we're going to see a cascade of trades happen. It's just that people are waiting to know what happens with Mark Stone and um, Duchesne and mm. some of the others. Interestingly, as well, um, just on that note, while we mentioned Duchesne, um, I've read a couple of different articles in the last day or so, and this was backed up last night, but uh, Duchesne didn't play in the Sens game or, uh, the other day and has been told that it looks like he's played his last game uh, for the Ottawa Senators. So it looks like he is now being benched to ensure that he doesn't pick up an injury ahead of what is seemingly an almost inevitable trade. Well, we're going to do a special episode next week, aren't we? Uh, as the trade deadline closes, um, we've pulled in a couple of uh, proper hockey experts. <laughs> <laughs> People who I'm know what they're talking week, about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, we've, we're pulling in Rob McGregor and Stephen Edwards to help us out next week as we are going to record the podcast in the last hour of the trade deadline. Uh, which is 7 p.m. UK time on Monday. So you'll be able to pick that up on Tuesday morning when you wake up. And we'll just be recapping about what happened with some of those moves, what surprised us, what didn't right up to the final hour, if it's going to be like a Nylander situation. Jesus. Yeah. Um, hopefully there'll be a few of those. Um, but just talking about trades as well, actually. Um, obviously, Flyers trading for Cam Talbot um, mm. happens. And it's something that Mike Anthony, who's... Um, who's one of our fans listening out from America. Um, he's a Philly fan, um, mentioned to us, eighth goaltender to play in net. I mean, wow. That it's, just shows yeah. everything, doesn't it? They've just got so much. They've had so much bad luck and they've had so many misfires that flies this year with the goaltending. But, but again, all of that should seem okay now that you've tested Carter Hart and it's worked. Like, I know he got, I think he got pulled last night, didn't he, or the other night. Um, but, you know, that's fine. He's, he's very early in his career, but he has been tested. And Cam Talbot, that just seems, the, it just seems to make so much sense. They got him basically for nothing because the Edmonton Oilers are in so much cap trouble that they can't even bring back injured players because they haven't got enough cap space to the craziness that is happening over there. So they pick up a, you know, a goaltender who's been okay this year. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been kind of terrible he's just been okay he's got the potential to be good but isn't that great they pick him up and then he is going to be seeing out the rest of the season and he can share the load with Carter Hart yeah I like that trade um the other one that made me laugh today was I saw uh, last uh, last night you know that Panarin in Columbus is uh, is obviously kind of looking well he's probably going to be end up being traded because the fact he said that he won't discuss his contract any further with the Columbus Blue Jackets until July 1st when he becomes a free agent. So, i.e. he'll do the Tavares thing of going to free agency and deciding where he wants to go. Puts the Columbus Blue Jackets in a difficult place and it looks like they might trade him before the season is out. Um, but Panarin won't face or he didn't face the Habs last night due to illness. Now, obviously that immediately, a bit like Duchesne, Immediately, everybody goes, no, okay, he's ill, inverted commas, i.e. they're saving him so he doesn't get injured. However, John Tortorella, and talking of swearing earlier on, I am going to swear because I'm doing a quote from an NHL coach here, by the way, everyone. Uh, John Tortorella, in his usual kind of calm, measured self, was emphatic that Panarin's absence 
was not to protect a potential trade asset. This is where the, uh, the quote begins. He's sick, he shit his pants, and he's puking his guts out. Close. <laughs> Quotes. Well, there you go. I, I don't even know. I actually don't even know whether to believe that because John Tortorella is the kind of person who would just say that anyway. But actually, at the same time, I kind of... I, I go back until on this story and I kind of think, do you know what? I probably believe him because he's come out and said it, even though it's ridiculous. Uh, well, he wears his heart. NHL head coach, he... everyone. NHL yeah. head I feel coach. like um, we should potentially have a, a torts quote of the week um, feature. We would, like... we would have to mark this expletive, this podcast. Because <laughs> apparently ridiculous. the other week, uh, was it? No, it's last Wednesday or something. Um, he didn't come out of the, his office for like an hour to do a post-game interview. I can't remember which game it was. Yeah, I do remember something about that. I, um, I enjoyed reading his chapter in uh, Craig Costanza's book, uh, Behind the Bench. I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> wow. Oh, I've just started that book, by the way. I've just oh, started right. it. I was on the train uh, yesterday and I just, I've read the first story. Uh, wow so you'll finish uh, next season right yeah yeah yeah, pretty much yeah i um i read a book a year uh usually on holiday so actually for <laughs> me to read a book when i'm not on holiday is quite rare uh, but just get the audio book mate i know i should really but this is great because you can just read it in like short sections so i've practically read one story and now it'll probably leave it a couple of weeks and i'll read the next one um yeah it's great it's really good uh, craig custin's book behind the bench it's a look at uh, it's a view from the eyes of... It's a the look at behind the bench. Yeah, it's a look at behind the bench. <laughs> a view from the, the coach's perspective from some of the greatest games in most recent hockey history. Well, what's also interesting at the end of that book, which I'm not... Oh, don't ruin away, it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But Craig talks about what it was like for him as oh, a yeah, writer cool. to do that book, and what that's it meant cool. to him and what he got out of it. And how it changed his perspective on not just the game, but also life. So, anyway. I shall look forward to that. Perspectives. I'm going to bring in um, this story of uh, Don Cherry poo-pooing the Carolina Hurricanes game celebrations. He used Mm. Hockey Night in Canada, um, Coach's Corner, as uh, he said, well, everyone's saying this and someone's got to put their neck out and say this, but they're just a bunch of jerks. I have got um, to. I've got to work on a Don Cherry impression. So many people can do really good Don Cherry impressions, and I can't yet. I'm. I'm just. I've got to work on it. Note to self: I need to do a Don Cherry impression. I'm just okay. whacking to myself. But carry on. You can look well, forward to that in about six weeks. I think this has a. It, it has polarized people. This subject and the fact oh, yeah. that he brought this up because when you think about it from a fan perspective. You enjoy the fact that your team has won and you want to see that enjoyment on your players' faces. You don't just want them to go, okay, never mind, we won. Oh, never mind, we lost. And they disappear down the tunnel. The fact that they're engaging with their fans, they're having a bit of fun. It shows them as rounded human beings. Um, It helps kind of get coverage for season tickets. It helps non-hockey understanding fans to engage with the sport. And hey, in their market where they're based, it seems to be compared to the other sports in the area that this is quite a typical thing. Um, it's not for everyone. It doesn't work in all hockey markets. In Canada, it probably would be laughing. Imagine if Toronto did it. But I've <laughs> got to say, yeah, <laughs> I, of course. Yeah, but I've got to say the 
times when Manchester Storm did this a couple of times, right, a few years ago, and they're on a bit of a tough year. It was the second year that they come back into the league and they were really hoping to make the playoffs for the first time. And every win was so sweet, you know, and you could feel how much these players cared about their team. And they started doing the old kind of double tap on the ice, raise the stick, and they did it four times in different directions to nod to all hockey fans across the arena. Mm. Um, And everybody stayed behind. You wanted to stay and watch the player of the um, match awards, um, you know, take all the pictures stuff. Because quite often when the game's over, people are like, Oh, one, two, one in it. They they do one, aren't they? Oh yeah, you get out. before the game's even finished. You yeah. go to the Air Canada Centre, and uh, probably a third of the crowd have even left before the final uh, yeah. form goes. So why not hold on? You know, it makes people stay in the arena for just that little bit longer to kind of engage, and you get to look in the eyes of the, some of the players and say, "Yeah, thanks for that," and they say, "Yeah, thanks for supporting us." So it, uh, you know, it's just get over yourself. But the fact that Don Cherry really went on this. Uh, Went on a mad one. It was certainly is like provoked quite a lot of response, and we threw this out actually on Twitter and and Slack group. And um, here's here's what some of you told us anyway. So Tom, who's the Oilers fan, said mm. hockey people are always notoriously skeptical of celebrations, and I'm not sure why. I remember the outrage about Yakupov's knee slide, a raw, spontaneous expression of outright joy and passion. It's a bit odd. Um, Anthony Russell says, screw Don Cherry, a dinosaur whose time has gone and ruins what legacy he has by moaning like a child. Woo! <laughs> and I, I mean, my opinion of this was that actually more recently, shoot me now, I've started skipping Coach's Corner. It just is turning into um, an obituary for, of which I have no doubt they are lovely people and worthy of a shout. But mm. I don't want to hear that in Coach's Corner. I want to hear them stick into hockey and analysis. And just, you know, it becomes quite a lot of waffle that bears little reference to what's going on in the game that's just happened or the NHL. And yeah. I think I just really prefer the studio analysis. So when it goes between the second and the third period, I enjoy when there are three or four guys on a panel and they're going through saying, these are the top stories in the league right now. Um, yeah, and headlines is, you know, headlines on Saturday on, on Hockey Night in Canada is one of the best bits of hockey kind of TV out there apart from the actual game. Yeah. And, and I, I do agree with you with Coach's Corner. There's part of me, there's a nostalgic part of me that kind of likes it and it doesn't really offend me. And sometimes I do think he makes some good points. I think he, he misfires as many times as he hits. Um, are you done with saying what you think about it? Because then I'll go on to mine. I don't well, want to jump over you. What I uh, just stepped back from Coach's Corner because the question was obviously about the sellies. Um, I think it was Andy who had put his comments in Slack saying, "How can how can he take offence at the Hurricane celebrations?" and called him, "Is he is he the Jimmy Hill of ice hockey?" And he kind of referenced (laughs) the NFL and Premier League have been a bit fussy about goal celebrations in the past but the mood has always been that they're fun um, for, yeah. and the fact that this is even a, de- a debate amongst pundits and fans makes that they makes them think that they're just taking themselves far too seriously which is a really valid comment to make so first of all um on the on the hurricane celebrations i love the way that carolina reacted to this by putting out t-shirts with a bunch of jerks and the carolina hurricanes logo on them uh, so saying they tweeted out saying the jerk store called we're now taking orders like 
I love that. That is a brilliant way of embracing this kind of PR thing that they're obviously trying to do. And I love that. Second of all, now my initial reaction was, I just don't see why this is a problem. And I just, I can't understand why this matters at all. And I was watching some of the highlights. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? You can talk about the highlights of the celebrations, you know, the baseball game they played, um, the, the human bowling alley, the, the limbo, all of this stuff that they've done. And none of it really does offend me. However, one of the shows that I love watching, and I, I sorry, I don't really get to watch it because you can't watch it over here, but I get to listen to the podcast, is Tim and Sid and on Sportsnet. It is just brilliant. It's like my favourite sports shows, not just hockey, it's NHL, NFL, NBA, loads of stuff that's going on in Canada, really. Um, it's my dream to one day do work on a show like that. It just would be the best thing ever. Anyway, Tim McCart, uh, Tim, oh God, what's his surname? McCart, um, McAuliffe, Tim McAuliffe, one of the presenters on there, said that he didn't like it and he agreed with Don Cherry, which I thought was interesting because they're far more of the, the kind of modern thinking hockey mind and they kind of, they move themselves away from the, inverted commas, hockey culture uh, that is around the sport of the NHL. But he didn't like the the duck, duck, goose celebration, which is what has kind of like kick-started the next level of conversation around this. And this is when the Carolina Hurricanes sat in centre ice and played duck, duck, goose, that childhood game that we probably all played on ice. On a side note, by the way, I think duck, duck, goose on ice is a great idea for a game. Just park I, it. I've right. never played that game on ice. No, I've never played it on ice. I've played it on like normal ground. I've never seen it played on ice. It would be amazing on ice, just watching it. I think it would be an incredible game to play on ice. Anyway, I digress. But the interesting thing that Tim brought up in this, that he was being thrown at saying, we've got to sell the game. We've got to promote the game. We've got to get young people involved in the game. And his point was, are we really selling the NHL with a game of duck, duck, goose. <laughs> yeah. And I just thought that was a really interesting point because I was actually on the bandwagon of, it doesn't matter, let them do what they want, so be it. And all, all news is good news, all coverage is good coverage, all of that kind of stuff. But I just thought that was really interesting, actually. I did think there is another side to this and he put it very clearly with that question. And I couldn't hand on heart say that I thought the best way of selling the NHL is with a game of Duck, Duck, Goose, which is interesting. Just another opinion. I also recommend, as we're in the kind of vein of promoting other podcasts, go on and listen to Tim and Sid, um, their podcast on Sportsnet. It's worth it. You kind of have to listen to a couple of episodes just to get an idea of their characters uh, and what they bring to it. You know what? I don't enjoy it because I just talk about NBA and NFL too much. See, I, but I like, I like those sports. Don't love them in the same way that the, NF, uh, the NHL. But I, lo I just love that kind of, the, the chemistry those guys have on air is possibly one of the best duos that I think I've ever watched or witnessed. And I think their take on sports coverage is just really interesting and the culture behind it. And um, so I would, yeah, I'd give it a listen, see if you can. And if you're a fan of kind of all those sports, then that is definitely the show for you. But an interesting take on the whole Don Cherry thing. Hmm. Okay. The other thing that was brought up was about this follower fatigue so Dave, uh, who's an Oilers fan, you know, he, he brought up this thing about how 
Yeah, well, how's he worded it? Would be interesting to hear you guys discuss follower fatigue and the culture difference between British and American sports. I think it's very difficult for British fans to get a sense of the culture of hockey with the regular season featuring so many games and keeping up with following the sport being much harder outside the US. Also, it can be hard to grasp a team's form when a good team loses to a poor team probably due to team fatigue or scheduling. And I think this is a really, really interesting point because when you try and explain to your mates <laughs> how there are two games every weekend, well, in the Elite League, there are. And in, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. In, I mean, there's normally about 50, 60 games uh, in, right. in the UK's um, league, but 82 in America. And you're talking about three games. Um God, I mean, Toronto's on a real hardcore game stretch at the moment, isn't it? And I feel like every morning I have to wake up and think, was there a game last night? Do I need to check? Um, it, it is interesting because I think when you first start out and you don't really understand the sport, uh, you can get caught up on the here and now and not the big picture. So, for instance, Toronto have had a couple of games where they have been awful. Yet, overall, where they are in the league as a team is is fantastic compared to previous years. So, you have a bit of context. It's good. Which Let's keeps you go going. It's fantastic. It's, it's good. Come on, but compared yeah. to the last few years, we're, we're in a better well, form. Apart, than the, apart from the last few years, we're kind of where we were. That's the disappointing thing. Yeah, but we've set up, got some great players and some decent contracts. To yeah, see yeah, yeah. Sorry, team. sorry. Yeah, in terms of where the team is, yeah. I, sorry, I thought you meant the standings. In terms of the standings, I think some of that comes from the fact that we, we're not actually seeing that much process uh, progress. Yeah. When you look at Tampa Bay and Boston, they're both ahead of us at the moment. But yeah, carry on. But I, I think if you were a new fan right yeah. now you probably wouldn't understand all the complexity around what these contracts mean for the future no, of no, the no. team and and uh, the club um and so you would kind of just be thinking oh i watched that game for three hours and they've lost again how rubbish and if you are going on a losing streak of maybe three or four games where you're losing at what point do you say enough is enough i can't be asked with this if, I don't know if that's a swear word, but I'm no, saying it's not. It's not. No. Um, I, I just can't, I can't be asked, and I quit. And, and sometimes teams do take that dip. And the other thing is about how it fits into the whole picture of the league, because we found doing this podcast um, that not only now we're looking at our league, but we're um, our team, but we're looking at our whole conference we're looking yeah. at both sides east and west we're yeah. predicting ahead of the future we're looking at some of the cups the chuck the norris the, the vesna um you know how the draft we're thinking about this on a much bigger scale and it takes a lot of time and sometimes mm. you do just get to the point where you think this isn't going to happen and and one of the things that we've discussed is um if you know, I touch wood here, Toronto <laughs> make the playoffs and then something happens like, I don't know, that happened last year. We're out of round one. At what point do we as fans continue to invest in watching the playoffs when our team isn't a part of it? Um, and that for me is when my follower fatigue really gets tested. How do I keep an interest in this sport when my team aren't doing so well or they're out of the, out of the run-ins? I, I don't know yeah. 
Yeah, I think, uh, well, just to very quickly go uh, along that train of thought, if Toronto lose to Boston in round one of the playoffs, don't expect to hear me on a podcast anytime soon after that, because I think I will be in absolute mourning. <laughs> I think it will take a good, uh, a good while to get over that again, for that reason, because you build in, there are 80-something games of the regular season, and I, I don't know, I pretty much watch, I probably only miss... This season, I've probably only missed maybe two games, I think, um, that I haven't watched in full. So it's a huge amount of time and commitment. And now some games I'm watching far more intently than others. Sometimes they're on in the background while I'm doing other things because, you know, I've got a life and things to do, as we all have, and we all have to juggle it with all the other stuff that's going on. But I think that there's two lines of thought with this because I think there's a genuine thing of, of player fatigue in the NHL, which then transfers over to the fans fatigue as well because in such a long season you can go on a couple of game losing streak you can go through a period of time where you know you win two you lose two you win one you lose two you win three you're just kind of like going along and nothing's going to change you're going to stay around the same kind of place in the standings and you know things are all fine and you will always have that excuse of, well, it'll be fine when we get to the playoffs. And playoff hockey is different. I've never been able to understand it, but it is different. When you watch playoff hockey, it is just next level NHL hockey. And it is by far the best thing you can ever do. As a Leafs fan, I've not seen much of it, so bear with me. But when I have been able to watch it with the Leafs involved, there is nothing like it. So I think there's this holy grail at the end of this season. And I almost think... I don't know how other fans feel about this, but I always feel like there's almost a kind of like this is a this is the marathon, but then the last the last mile of a marathon. I'm speaking like I've run a marathon, I've not, but like <laughs> the last mile of the marathon is you know running across that finish line is the best feeling in the world. I imagine I did a half once and I hobbled over the finish line, oh, but anyway, well, if respect. Thank you very much. Um, if you did, I never thought that would get mentioned on the podcast. If you ran a marathon and you got to the end, that home straight is only as good and is only the as euphoric a feeling as it is because of the previous 26 miles, right? That's the only reason it feels that good. And I kind of feel the same with the NHL. Yes, of course, there are times in the marathon or the NHL, but I'm going to carry on flogging this analogy even longer, there are times in there where you are just preserving yourself, where you are just doing the bare minimum to get by. And I feel in an NHL season of 80-odd games, that is what you've got to do. And I think fans, probably over in North America, are more understanding of it than over here because of the culture difference and because that's what they're used to, apart from the NFL, interestingly, which is just such a short season, few games once a week. It's completely different. But I think that that level of that amount of content to consume and that longer season that it is, you almost have to go through those lulls so that then when you ramp it up into the playoffs and if you are ever so lucky enough to follow a team that gets through to the end, again, don't know what it feels like, but one day hopefully I will, I just think that those moments of pure adulation and just incredible feelings don't exist if you don't have that build up to it yeah it's like a pyramid isn't it you know yeah. you're just going to that point and I do think it is it's crazy actually when you first become a fan of the sport to think what it's all just down to like 
a game between two teams yeah. or, or seven games, whatever it well, may that's, be. Well, that's one of the things I thought in ice hockey. When I first, uh, a couple of years ago, I, was, I really thought that ice hockey or the NHL was missing a trick with the Stanley Cup final not being one game, like an event, like the Super Bowl, like the Stanley Cup final, Team A versus Team B, East versus West, this game, 60 minutes, no shootout, you go until somebody wins. Would that not just be the ratings puller that it would just, it would just be amazing to see and witness that over one game. But actually, as time goes on, and That's as cruel. I watch more of it, well, it is, but I'm not really thinking about it from the team's point of view. I'm thinking about it as a spectacle from the league's point of view, because that's what the Super Bowl does so well. But what I really, I've, I've moved away from that thought process now, and because I don't believe that that would best reflect how hard it is to get to the Stanley Cup final. And even the playoffs themselves are gruelling seven-match series. If you say to someone over here in the UK or in Europe that about a sport where you get to the playoffs and then you've got to play a series of seven games. Oh, yeah, okay, so you win that. Then you play another series of seven games. Okay, so you win that. Then you play another series. Then you play another series. They look at you like you're mad. Like, they look at you like this is just some alien idea. In football over here, we play two legs and we moan about that. We have <laughs> replays in football that have been taken out of the FA Cup in the later rounds because it's too hard. Like... It is insane how different the, the, the mindset is. But I actually like the fact that you've now got those, or you've always had those seven game series and that moment of getting to the Stanley Cup. Tell me Ovechkin goes on a world tour with the Stanley Cup, going around everywhere, celebrating as hard as he did, if all he had to do was win 25 games regular season and seven games postseason. Nah. Yeah, that's true. I, I suppose. The thing that baffled me, if you compare to, say, like the Premier League, if you get a top six or top five finish in the Premier yeah. League, you're going to be rewarded by getting placed into a European league, which yeah. brings a lot, of, lot more money to you, a lot more competition. And the fact that it's only one team that, can, that kind of takes away the, uh, the cream yeah. in NHL is crazy. But what I really... No one, care, no one cares about the President's Trophy. It's crazy. Tampa yeah. will win the President's Trophy this year and no one will care. But do you know, Tampa. I've got and to say, I would love nothing more, right? Yeah. First round of the playoffs, Tampa get knocked out. Oh, yeah, bring it. Like, that would yeah. be just, that demonstrates how crazy this sport is. I just, I want that to happen. Like, I would, I mean, I wonder how much if I put money on it, like, how much would I, would I get? Who are they well, going to play at the moment? Montreal? Uh, Columbus. Oh, probably. Columbus. Well, Ooh. actually, who knows? I mean, it could be... Could it, be at the moment, it, <laughs> it's dead. It, at the moment, it'll be Columbus. But it could be Montreal. Carolina could sneak in. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Imagine. Imagine Carolina's celebrations if they win a playoff game. They're doing <laughs> duck, duck, goose. Oh, my God. I can't even think of a game epic enough for them to play in a playoff win, <laughs> especially against Tampa. That'd be incredible. Uh, but there, anyway. is, there is a thing. There is a thing about hockey fans, um, I think, having a bit of fatigue. I saw Mark, uh, you know, Mark, who we had on the podcast not that long ago. Least um, fan. Least fan, Mark, uh, who we had on. He just tweeted something along the lines of, I can't find his tweet, but he just said something basically like, I think I'm going to stop tweeting about the Leafs in the regular season now. And I think it is just that little bit of, 
they lost to St. Louis. They picked up well. They picked up a point and lost. They lost to Arizona. They beat Vegas. They'll probably go and beat Washington on Thursday. They might beat Montreal on Saturday. The Leafs will probably end up second or third in the Atlantic. That is probably going to happen. And there are going to be these little highs and mini lows and all this kind of stuff that will happen. But really, when you get to February now, it's getting to the point where you just need your team to play well and get those points and mean that you as a hockey fan can go into those playoffs with confidence. And I think a lot of probably Leafs fans and many other fans as well are feeling that effect around about now. Mm. Okay, well, let's talk pointless trophies. Um, Man crush of the week. Um, Have you got a suggestion of who you think should get it? Yeah, I, I've, yeah, I keep going between a few at the moment. I'm going to go with, yeah, go on, you go first thing. Well, originally, I uh, when I was looking at Ryan O'Reilly, I was googling around him, and I, I don't know why, but like the third article down in Google was about best beard, and um, <laughs> apparently he came second in the best beard of the All Star Game. Uh, Brent Burns came first. Right. Uh, O'Reilly came second, and I thought, well, that that's just stupid. That's so, that's too predictable for me to come up with a dude with a good <laughs> beard for a man crush. Um, so instead, I went for Mr. Valentine, that is Mitch Marner, because he yeah. saw this little girl with pigtails with a sign up saying be my valentine mitch he went over and he asked for a photo with her the dad took the photo tweeted it and it just went massive didn't it i mean the leaf tweeted it from their pr um and it was just really cute and you could see how happy she was and i think the for me that the small things that hockey players do make such a difference that some of the hockey guys like mitch go underrated outside of the hockey world they are not known people don't know who they are yet we see footballers who earn millions and millions and they would have just walked straight past that girl not even acknowledged her and i just think for me that is a worthy man crush of the week for mitch Marner. And his yeah. love of Disney, obviously, as well. <laughs> I thought that was maybe. Maybe he loves a good rom-com, you know? <laughs> he was uh, the prince to that girl. You know, the prince, her, yeah, prince. You, I mean, I had a, I was flogging an analogy with the marathon. Now with Disney, you're going, you're going even further. Um, <laughs> so, you know, funny enough, on a completely separate note, uh, I know you don't sure follow. going to be serious now. Well, do you know what? I keep going between two and one is serious and one isn't and I can't make my mind up. Which do is both. Is. Come on, do both. And I'm actually going gonna, gonna to fill with this just little side story, which is completely relevant to give myself more time to think about it. Um, do you follow the MLB at all, the baseball? No. Right, okay. You know, you were talking about Mitch Marner, who, you know, is going to sign a huge contract, but in comparison to other sports, he's not going to be that much. Uh, Manny Machado, um, who is a, you know, a fairly good MLB player, but he was a free agent, has just signed a contract with the San Diego Padres, which is a 10-year, $300 million contract. What? what? Yes. 10-year, $300 million contract. That's laughable. The biggest free agent contract in American sports history. Oh, my is God. Is that not absolutely nuts? <laughs> Oh, that's just crazy. It just makes you think, like, I can't believe we were worried about Austin Matthews earning, like, <laughs> 12 something. Like, oh, oh, whoa, the Leafs. Like, man. Oh, the cap. What cap? Just, what? 
I don't even know if they have a cap in the MLB. I think they might. But it's just obviously, you know, the NFL is the same. It's just different leagues of money. But I just thought that was funny. To give a comparison to hockey players who, yeah, different world. Oh, man. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so my, my I'm just going to explain both. The first one will take like 10 seconds. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen is, my, is one of my man crushes just because I just, love I just love him. I love he, I want to go. I'm so tempted. My net, I shouldn't buy any more Leafs jerseys. I really shouldn't. But if I was going to buy a Leafs jersey, even with his pending contract situation up in the air, I would buy a Kasperi Kapanen jersey. You could always I, buy an NHL figure. Yeah, I could. Yeah, <laughs> very good plug there. Uh, I could. But he, he just embodies everything I love about some hockey players. And say what you like about Austin Matthews, but he looks like a grumpy bugger most of the time, right? He does. He has moments where he comes out of his shell and is just amazing. And obviously, as a player, he is just the world's best. But, 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 Kasperi Kapanen never stops. Never, never stops. Not just because he's the fastest human being on skates, like he is incredible. He just never stops. And then when he or one of his teammates scores, you see the raw emotion of him going, let's go. Like, and he says many other things I can't repeat on a podcast, but he just says, and you can just see the huge amount of energy and what seems like pride in wearing that maple leaf. And I just hope that he stays a leaf for a very, very long time because he just, he's everything that I want in a hockey player for my team. That's my, you know, frivolous one that took more than 10 seconds. Um, so I'll keep my serious one really short as well. Nate Schmidt is a really interesting hockey player and he was on um, 31 Thoughts the other week, another podcast from Sportsnet with Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman that I listen to every week. And he came on. Now, this is on the back of uh, Schmidt was suspended for 20 games for violating the NHL's performance-enhancing drug policy. And uh, he did appeal his suspension, but the arbitrator upheld it, so he served his suspension. And uh, he's now back playing with the uh, Golden Knights. It was really interesting hearing him talk about it. And he, he has always said he's innocent. He's always said, I, th I think he said something along the lines of it was food. I think he had that he believes is why he was contaminated. But anyway, moving all of that aside, it was a tiny, tiny, tiny little amount that they found in his bloodstream. But hearing him talk about it afterwards, he has reached out to Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, and he has said, that he wants it to be his mission from now on that no player is ever in the position that he found himself in. And he will work to be, and he will make peace with the fact of his suspension and what he feels his wrong suspension if it is the last time that an NHL player has to face that because of the work that he can try and put in, in both education, but also working with the NHL and their policies at looking at how various different factors can affect an athlete's body. And I just thought it was really interesting that he put himself forward. He spoke on a podcast very openly about it. And I just thought it's a refreshing thing to hear from a sportsman, somebody who is actually now looking at their legacy in the game being something off ice, but still to do with the game instead of just purely on ice. Mm, that, that's similar to um, who was the guy I was talking about who was openly talking about what concussion had affected him 
on oh, um, yeah on the full 60 podcast it was a couple of weeks ago anyway yeah i can't remember but yes i do know but you're mean. right and and you know what that's why podcasts are different that's why podcasts are different to what we see on hockey night in canada you know and, yeah. and the hockey centrals and stuff because it opens the door for people to be more relaxed and mm. that's why i was completely like jaw to the ground listening to austin matthews on that spitting chicklets podcast because <laughs> i was just like wow this guy actually i could i could imagine having a beer with him and like having fun and us joking and and him laughing at my jokes and stuff whereas normally you can't picture him in that way so yeah i think it does it opens the door for people to be more relaxed um, yeah. and not so edited it's yeah I think, you know, it's, it's a different medium and i think it is just it's almost sometimes down to the, the 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 amount of time that you've got with these people and you you listen to hockey central at noon we both do and the the segments are so short and even you know tim and sid and, and things like that when it when it's tv it is so condensed and there's so much that they've got to fit in and players know coaches know professional athletes know that they can much like politicians do if they pad out their answers, they know that they're never going to have to reveal more than they need to. Right. Whereas in, in an hour-long podcast or a 90-minute-long podcast or a three-hour-long podcast like this one's probably going to be, then people, people almost don't have that defence. And so by going on to that platform, you almost know that you've got to give something up. And I think as long as it's not done in a kind of aggressive way, it brings out some things from players that, you know, you wouldn't normally hear. Yep. Oh, well, we will... Uh, Are we done? Uh, I'm tired. This is, this is taking it out of me, doing this and watching that Leafs game. Well, <laughs> 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 oh, you just talk for like 20 minutes about I your bank crush. I mean, I well done for engaging. Yeah, at least I put some thought in it. I mean, I could have just said, I don't know, gritty. <laughs> God. Well, next week, <laughs> next week we are talking uh, trade, trade deadline. deadline, isn't it? Trade deadline. Yeah. Oh, finally, just before that, then. So, what do you think? Let's put some wacky predictions no, of what's going to happen uh, with the Ottawa Senators, just for fun. Why not? I don't, Let's have I, a bit of fun. End of the podcast. I, I, Matt Deshane, is he still an Ottawa Senator by the time we record our next podcast? Yes or no? I, probably not. Is Mark Stone still an Ottawa senator by the why, time we record this next podcast? Why am I getting to ask, answer all these questions? I don't, I don't... came up with the idea a minute ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying anything because... I'm, I'm, Mark Stone, Mark Stone, is he going to be a senator? I, I, would, I, would, I would hope not. You would hope not? Yes, because Ooh. it makes it more interesting to what the knock-on effect is going to be with other people. I think I want see, to see the moves. Mm. I don't want to see Panarin or Bobrovsky as Columbus. I want I want to see this league ripped up and these these moves that they're saying are going to happen happen because it's going to make our podcast so much more interesting next week. That is true. However, from a Leafs fan's point of view, the answer is you want them both to stay in Ottawa because it doesn't matter what happens to Ottawa this year because they're garbage, and you want them there and not making other teams better. So in the future, when somebody asks you that question, Claire, that's what you say as a least. What a boring answer. <laughs> and that's why I'm a that's journalist a and you're answer. a button presser. <laughs> in your face. 
Anyway, if you I do not it, cheer for chaos when it comes to my own team. I, I do cheer for chaos when it comes to every other team in the NHL. Oh, come <laughs> on. We said about follower fatigue. The trade deadline <laughs> is about time where we get the fire, throw their members in, and let's get ignited. That's something needs saying. to happen. I, I, I do believe that something needs to happen in the trade deadline, and I do think that that purely sits in Eugene Melnick's hands and Pierre Dorian at the uh, Montreal, uh, Montreal, the Ottawa Senators. Because once those cards go, then I think you're going to see quite a lot of people moving around the NHL. What I would hope to happen during Mm. next week's recording is, you know how in the football trade deadline, um, you see all the Sky News reporters live outside the grounds, don't they? And then (laughs) you see people turn up with inflatable penises behind them whilst they're live on TV. I want to know that something like that is going to happen during our recording of the final hour. I don't think hockey's that interesting, is it? Is hockey that fun? I don't know. Let's find out. Do they do that? One final thing I want to mention very quickly, and I'll just check my notes. Um, If you are a subscriber on The Athletic, right? I don't know if you are, but if you're not, you should be. It's a really good source of hockey uh, information and all North American sport information. I read a fascinating, fascinating article uh, yesterday um, about uh, Marion Hosa, who is a player that is still on the books of the Arizona Coyotes and he the it basically goes into the reasons why his career ended so abruptly and why he cannot play ice hockey anymore i'm not going to say any more about it because it's behind a paywall and the article by scott powers is worth paying whatever you do for the athletic but go on there have a look see if you can get a free trial and try it out but go on and read about marion host's story it is fascinating and i never knew that was the reason why he stopped playing ice hockey okay all right in the meantime subscribe to us send us an email if you like an invite to our closed slack group which is made specifically for nhl fans from afar and the email is guess what nhl fans from afar at gmail.com you know the last couple of weeks where you've not been here i've had to do those things myself say the email address in the slack group and all that kind of stuff and it's so hard to remember I don't know why. I always, I realise I rely on you for all of that stuff in this podcast and you do a very good job of it. So I, I appreciate what you do because I missed it for the last two weeks of having to remember the email address myself. And thank you for outing me about fighting with cardboard tubes. <laughs> yeah, were, really busy, were you? Really they, busy. They weren't toilet rolls or lightsabers. They were actually the insides of wrapping paper. Oh, yeah, of course, that makes more sense, yeah, doesn't it? You really yeah, want to know. who that. has toilet roll that thing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just you see what I mean? You're like a safety blanket to be on this podcast. <laughs> I have to think about the nuts and bolts too much when you're not here. And so I couldn't even logically think of the fact that no toilet roll holder is ever about three foot long. <laughs> anyway. And that, that is how we should end it. Bye-bye. <laughs>